Welcome to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero. Hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of rockers at heart. We A uh, couple of rockin' rockers. <laughs> just <laughs> rocking chairs. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Woo! <laughs> Um, great. Um, I'm so excited to be back and discussing more of the Iron Prometheus with you, Kate. Yeah. You know, more, uh, a little more about on um, the Lobster Johnson and maybe, maybe a, ma- a Maman Say, Sa, Sa. Memnon Sa. Memnon Sa, Memnon Sa. Maybe we'll find out more about him. But yeah. before we can get to that, before we can get to the, the, the Lobster Johnson storyline. We're bringing on our, a very special guest who's been here before with us. Who's our? I'm gonna call him the our official game master of the show. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> He's earned that title now. Very much. Uh, we're gonna be joined by Clay Larson just to discuss um, the Hellboy RPG that has been put out um, or is coming. Um, from Mantic Games, we uh, downloaded the Quick Start demo of the RPG, um, and we played a little bit with Clay Larson, and we discussed that. So we're gonna do have you guys listen to that first out there, and then we'll and then we'll return um, to the pages of the Iron Prometheus after. So let's let's hear from Clay and us about the <laughs> Hellboy RPG. And here is Clay Larson, our official game master of the podcast. <laughs> uh, he's here. Hello, Clay. <laughs> Hello. Um, he's here to talk, to, play with us, and talk to us um, about this new Hellboy, the role-playing game by Mantic Games. So, um, yeah, let's just jump in, Clay. What are your initial like thoughts just before we get into the gameplay itself? Initial thoughts about it once you started looking at the quick start and the details. So I think the thing I found most interesting right off the bat with it was that since it's using the D&D 5th edition SRD, they call it. Mm-hmm. I think that stands for the System Rules Document. It's basically open source D&D that it was very easy to learn and since you guys have both played D&D it's not like we had to spend a ton of time going over you know this is what this means this is how we do this um it's very similar to regular D&D but with you know some hellboy garnish on it nice <laughs> uh i was going to tell you guys the biggest difference it seems like is they have a system called ingenuity and doom and that's what the board game dice are used for. All right. Uh, basically, whenever you make an ability check, an attack roll, a saving throw, uh, basically anything where you're going to roll a d20, you also roll, if you don't have the board game dice, you would roll a d10. Since we do, we'll roll two yellow dice. And basically, with the yellow dice, um, if both of the dice show a blank, then you've generated one point of doom. Uh, but when ingenuity is being generated, it's a... Uh... Oh, I see. Sorry. I was double checking that. So basically, if both dice show a dot, you generate one point of ingenuity. If both do- dice show blank, you generate one point of doom. Um, 
if you're using a D10, then it's just if you get a one, you get a doom. If you get a 10, you get an ingenuity. Cool. Uh, and the way we use these things is for the ingenuity on your character sheets, you'll notice certain abilities that say like spend a point of ingenuity or do this. And you can also use ingenuity to, for example, if you're trying to get information from a character and you're rolling, you might say, I'm going to spend an ingenuity so I get a little more info from this success. Or if you're like have to roll to keep your focus on something you're doing and you fail it, maybe you spend an ingenuity so you just keep your focus. It's You can use it in various ways. The impression I get from the rules is you can also pitch me on ways you want to do it. Like if something bad is about to happen, you're like, I really don't want that to happen. You could say, <laughs> could I spend an ingenuity to, you know, add a bonus to that role or, or try to get more info from this thing. Um, and the doom, I have various ways I can spend doom to progress the case and to, for example, uh, what are some common doom spends? They call them doom spends, which I think is a fun <laughs> term. That is good. Um, like I can add, I can spend one doom to add one d6 to an attack roll, just to make it a little more likely to hit. Um, and I can also use it when it's generated. So like, let's say you fail a roll and you generate a doom, I might be able to spend that doom immediately and say, oh, not only do you miss, but they get a, I don't know, free attack or something. So I think it's a cool way to like play around with that building sense. I think that happens a lot in Hellboy cases of that, like, you know, you start out as a fairly low-key investigation and it sort of builds as you go mm -hmm. uh, to generate tension. Right. It's a very um, cool device. And I like that it incorporates yeah. their... The, the previous game. Cool. So, yes. Cool. Yeah, I think that's it. Just going through this, it does feel for the quick start. It feels like they definitely tied it into the board game and like what they did with that, like a number of elements of it not only feel similar, but like the map, some of the maps for where we're going to be going. They say, oh, you can sub in tiles from the board game if you're playing in person. Awesome. Which All is right. cool. a cool little effect. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so, do you guys have any questions before we get going? Or um, So, we picked characters. These are characters that were pre-designed by, like, uh, like, a template character, I guess. I don't know how, what else you call them, right? But Yeah, the, they're jet, you didn't have to roll up your yes. own character. But we, that, it, this game still has the option, right? Where you can create your own agent of the BPRD as another remarkable human and roll him, correct? Yes, as I understand it, when I was looking at the Kickstarter, you can create your own agent, and then I think they're going to have stats for people like Hellboy or Abe or character like characters like that, and they refer to them as legendary characters. And I think the idea is that you could either use them if you really wanted to, you could play as them, but it seems like it's more geared towards like you create your character, but then, you know, if you get to the point where in your campaign you go on a mission with Hellboy, they have stats for him to show up. Cool. Yeah, I really liked their prefab characters. Like um, for the ones that I think there's like what, like five or six or something. Yeah. And 
they all sort of, they like tied, in, they include like a short bio and tie in the characters to each mm-hmm. other a little yeah. bit. Like I'll, like my character that I'm going to be playing as Dr. Marcus Hansard Jr. Marcus's life as a physician before the BPRD was such a long time ago, he feels like a ghost just thinking <laughs> about it. He remembers Mona's first day on the job, so Mona, another prefab character that you can be. Um, he remembers her first day on the job, and she's like the team leader, so that's like how old Marcus is. Uh, and even had lunch with Hellboy <laughs> once, which is such a great... It just like shows you the level of people, like, you know, of BPRD we're at. Like, we're... You know, we work there, but we're not necessarily like in the mo- in the main storyline. Yeah, you know, you're kind of the, the yeah. maybe you're like the B team. Definitely. Totally. <laughs> I yeah. do love that character detail of like even ate lunch with Hellboy once. Like <laughs> in my yeah. head, this character just will never shut up about the fact that he ate Hellboy, <laughs> lunch with Hellboy once. For sure. He ate two sandwiches. Like, shut up. Who cares? <laughs> He's a big guy. He would eat two sandwiches. I um, ate two to try to keep up with them, and oh, I was stuffed. Yeah, I, I, he did not I think had to it drop was a cool. case that day because I ate too much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny. It's just great. Now everything just aches, and he's transferring to a desk job in two months. Jeremy would never let him hear the end of it, so for now, it's a big secret. So that's fun. They even give you like this little implanted thing of like uh this like intriguing sort of like relationship element that you have with the other character jeremy uh which is so cool yeah and they start all these characters at level five so i'm i'm guessing it's sort of intended to be like if you played the campaign and started with level one characters maybe by like this point it'd be sort of like oh if you were playing a squad that was a new squad at the BPRD and in level one by level five, you've got these little interconnections woven in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Just kind of synthesizes a little history for us right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, But like you said, it's like you would all be a rookie team or something and you could all develop these relationship things eventually. But um, I just thought it was such a fun thing to add for the prefab characters, this kind of like quick and, uh, still very malleable history that you can still have fun with as a player. For sure. And I think it's really fun because you it mentions my character who I've chosen in yeah. your bio. And then here, which is really funny because uh, I've chosen to yeah. be the Reverend Jeremy Peters, a former U.S. Army chaplain. He joined the BPRD following an incident with a possessed colleague while on deployment in the Middle East. He is concerned by rumors of changes within the team as he has only just begun getting used to the different idiosyncrasies of its members, which is very funny because it's speaking directly to like, there's a rumor. Oh, God, there's a rumor that uh, (laughs) Marcus is leaving. He's going to go to a desk job and I'm going to be left here alone. (laughs) Um, it's also, I, and this is both a little bit that character and some of the others, and you guys would know better than me, but is there a history of like the BPRD kind of like some of the people they take on being like either a little broken or like having had like experiences that suddenly reveal like this greater, like occult world to them? Because I feel like that's an element of a few of these pre-gen characters. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm trying. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, not. I don't know if like I can't pull one right off immediately at the top of my head. Other than this, it's funny because the the storyline that we are reading. Um, simultaneously right now while we're recording this in the other in the up and this is part of the episode from the first lobster lobster johnson run iron prometheus there is sort of a character in that that is not part of the bprd but he's like he's a guy that's like i lug boxes on the docks but then he gets wrapped up in like putting on a a power suit and then it's opened <laughs> up to the world of like sort of hellboy and lobster johnson and the bprd like mystical and the supernatural but other than that, I mean, I guess Liz, Abe, all of them are sort of like people that have walked into the world by different means. Right. So I think you kind of get that with like when we read the short stories, they mm -hmm. kind of featured some of the like lower level BPRD agents who uh, had like minimal contact with any of the like legendary BPRD people like Liz and yeah I would say that a lot of them are like like they're not taking care of the most dangerous level of incident they're not like necessarily gonna like be encountering danger every time they go out it seems like there's a lot of like I, I, I don't know I think I think at some point or another they would encounter something metaphysical and crazy but right not not like a full-blown like Ardru Jihad minion or something like right. that. It would be like a, a ghost, maybe if they're if they're having an exciting day. I mean, I bet I bet you're right. It's making me. I mean, I bet you're right, Clay. Though, like they probably put that in for a reason, just because like it feels like you have to have in a sense a believer to work at this job. Like you wouldn't want to bring someone that maybe didn't have never seen it before. You wouldn't want to just bring in like. <laughs> like a, yeah. somebody that's skeptical and be like, well, we'll just bring him along. Cause he's a good, he's a good soldier. <laughs> you probably want somebody that's like, yeah, I've seen this before. I can deal with it. Yeah. It seems like maybe their recruiting pool is like, you know, uh, a, a, an initial filter is like, okay, has this person like your character, Dave, the reverend says, uh, he had an incident with a possessed colleague. It's like, all right, well, that's someone maybe we should look at yeah. if he's got skills because he's right. already been exposed. We're not like breaking his mind with revealing the occult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine if you applied for a office job thinking you were going to be like someone's secretary or like an intern and they get there like, OK, so here's your health insurance plan. Here is where you eat lunch. Also, this is called a Hellboy. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, hell is real. Uh, oh, okay. Well, yeah, which confirms hell is real. So and, uh, do with that what you and will. You're not going to have a badge for parking until next week. So <laughs> <laughs> don't go down this wing. There's an indigo uh, or not a, a windigo in a cage down there. So you want to just avoid that for and now. And on Fridays, we keep it a little loose and you don't it's business casual. <laughs> All right, cool. You can wear jeans. <laughs> But never, you're never going to want to be in jeans when you're facing a demon. I'll just tell you that. Uh, but it, I think you're hitting, too, on also like what I like about the Hellboy universe for the majority of it is that you never really get anybody that's responding to all of these supernatural things or even Hellboy himself or Abe in a sense of like, whoa, never seen that. Or like, I can't believe my mind's broken. It feels like a world where these things exist and it might even not even it might not be like 
I, I wouldn't say like common for people to interact with it, but it's not like a world where people are in denial of it, if that makes sense. They're like, yeah, yeah that exists. It's almost like, it's almost like a defining trait is uh, responding to a horrifying monster with a world weary, <laughs> ah, crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. like if you had a ghost, you asked, you'd be like, I know they existed, but I never, I never thought I'd have a ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so should we jump into this? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. I mean, I want to preface that I have played D&D, but if I have to ask too many, like, what do I roll again? I apologize. <laughs> that's that's OK. I'm I'm actually r- running a D&D group on Mondays right now where we started near the beginning of quarantine and all of the people in it had never played D&D before, uh, wow. which is and it's very fun. But I'm. So I'm doing a lot of like, okay, so you roll this now and not as much as I was at the start, but I'm very used to that. So don't worry about it. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. A friend of the podcast, Andrew Stanton, he's the DM for our the game that we've been playing for a long time. And we still it like probably at least once a session, we're like, wait a minute. So I'm adding which modifier for that? Like, it's like he still has to wrangle us all well, in I think and I actually show us how to play. Jumping back onto that, what we were talking earlier about, I think that's kind of the really cool thing about them using the fifth edition rule set is I actually don't know if I've ever seen a licensed product use this open source thing as a base before, but kind of... I mean, I don't think this is a controversial controversial thing. I feel like the worst part of most games is the learning of them and the teaching of them. And mm-hmm. so to base it on, you know, arguably the most commonly known role-playing system means that it's so much easier to get people to jump into it. I think that's a real yeah. cool uh, benefit to that. Totally. So let's get into it. Um, just for a bit of a mission briefing to set the scene, you guys know that your squad uh, has been working at the BPRD for, you know, a f- probably like a couple years, and it's not uncommon for you guys to get flown around the world for cases. During a flight from BPRD headquarters in Fairfield, Connecticut, uh, It's a chartered flight because Big Red needs the Bureau's plane. So you guys are going through just a regular (laughs) chartered flight to the UK. Uh, It's a pretty low priority investigation of a classic haunting. You know how it goes. Lift a stone and you'll find bugs. If sorting out the haunted, the haunting wakes up anything else, just put it back to bed. Leave Uxley Hall in better shape than when you leave. Uh, and then lastly, the witness of note, uh, the haunting was reported by a property inspector called Matthew Donnell. Uh, an appointment has been made for you to see him at one o'clock. You want to get a shot before we go at this pub? A quick shot at this pub before yeah. we meet the guy? We shouldn't get too shit-faced before he shows up, but yeah, I'm not averse to one of those flat beers that the English like so much. <laughs> flat beers? All right. Yeah, they drink it real flat. <laughs> Marcus is just immediately throwing shade at the English <laughs> on this trip. <laughs> you were given social media photos of Matthew Donnell, so you recognize him. He's already there, uh, quietly sitting in a corner, just going hog wild on a plowman sandwich. So you approach, and yeah, he's like about halfway done with this sandwich. He's got a half finished 
pint of brown ale. Uh, and as you approach, Matthew kind of stands up tentatively and wipes his hands on his pants and says, You the people who were coming to talk to me about the, the Oxley Hall? That's right. Thanks for talking to us, friend. I know what you've seen must have, you know, not been your average building inspection. <laughs> no, isn't, isn't it? That's a pretty big sandwich. You know, once I saw Hellboy eat two of those things. <laughs> I had lunch with the guy. Uh, he, well, here's what happened. I was supposed to go up there and inspect the property for the government. See, just regular property inspection. That's what I thought it was going to be. And the place was so damp. It's just damp everywhere. And in my opinion, definitely haunted. And then I went up to the master bedroom. And his voice is kind of quavering a little here. I went up to the master bedroom. And I was starting to look around to see if I could find what was causing all this damn dampness, right? And I look in a mirror and I see a face. But then I turned away and then I was like, oh, that's terrifying. And I turned away, but then the same face is in the mirror, hanging from a rope, isn't it? Oh, here's our beers. (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, the the reverend comes by with beers as you're (laughs) talking about worrying about creating ghosts. I hear ghosts. Here's some Guinness. Here's a Guinness, and I got us a little couple shots. We can have car bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't say that shit here. I don't think they like that shit here. Sorry about my thick accent, by the way. A lot of people just like, you know, just... Uh, are there any, like, tales around here? Or have you heard any stories about the house prior to being inside of it, of anything that has gone on before now? Um, go ahead and do a persuasion check. Which what do, which, which do I roll? You're going to roll a d20 okay. and add your persuasion modifier, which is next to charisma. I got a nine. You got that southern charm. Nine plus four. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So you got 13. 13. 13. Yep. So you're going up there then. That's right. We ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, just be careful that you get out there before sundown, because in my now very extensive experience with ghosts, I would say, and he kind of taps his forehead, they show up at night more likely. I'll say we make our way there, Marcus. What do you say? Yeah, maybe we can avoid some of the ghosts if we go there. I guess if he saw the ghost at 11 What time is it again? (laughs) 2 p.m. It's 2. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a whole day to wait for this damn ghost. We got a long time uh, to wait, so uh, we could go know, there. This is the kind the of bureaucracy that we have to out. deal with in the fucking Leave bureau. Why does the bureau send us out so early? It's like send us out like two hours before the you know when ghosts show up. They know when ghosts show up. Why don't you send us out on late night flights? I would, why do they put it on a red eye? Listen. Marcus, you know, or sorry. <laughs> Uh, Jeremy, you know for a fact that there is one guy at the bureau who handles all scheduling of interviews with witnesses, <laughs> and he's done this before, where he schedules you with a witness to a ghost sighting at like 1 p.m., and then you go and do the interview, and you're like, "Well, now we're just twiddling our thumbs for six hours." 
Yeah, I always have to fucking Terrence. That's his name. Terrence, he always Terrence. Play, plans it like this. That fucking Terrence, it feels like... I think he's just mad because, they, you know, he always failed the field test and he couldn't be put out here and he always has to just take care of scheduling. And he always puts his, makes us twiddle our thumbs and wait around for it to, for the fucking sun to drop so ghosts, because we all know that ghosts don't come out during the day. I mean, they have. It's rare. That's true. But... Come on. Jeremy, give give Terrence a break because you know what? Maybe he didn't want to be in the field. Maybe he just wanted to relax in a place where he doesn't have to go into a damp old house looking for a lady who hung herself a hundred years ago. You know, that sounds sounds not too bad. You know, you might want to just tell me right now. Are you, leaving, are you leaving the team or what? <laughs> what? Are you leaving the team or what? You tell me right now. You look me in the eyes and you tell me. Don't act like you're coughing. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, uh, roll a constitution check as you choke on your mush peas. Oh my god. What? Hold on, let me check my constitution. Okay, a nine. A nine. So, yeah. you're okay, but like, you really hack up uh, uh, a bunch of <laughs> mushed peas that that comment came out of nowhere and really shocked you had no idea that Jeremy had any clue that you were gonna be leaving the uh, field squad Jeremy uh, oh god Jeremy I'm look I'm sorry that I didn't tell you sooner I didn't want to tell you when we we're out on a mission it's just you know I've been doing this for a long time and I thought that a job couldn't be any harder than when I was a doctor and then I got here and suddenly I'm a doctor in the field on top of wrestling with all of these these huge questions about uh, if Hellboy's real then heaven's real and and you know it's it just weighs on a person I could only do this for so long I love hanging out with you and we could still go get a beer in Maine when this is all said and done, but you know, and I'll still see you around the office it's just of the headquarters. It's just, you know, I know it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same because we won't be working as closely together, but you know, Terrence has a lumbar supported chair and like my knees hurt. You're, you're I'm breaking sorry. my heart. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can see that I am. I can see your eyes welling up with tears. Just, you know, you're my best friend uh, in the bureau, and I don't know what I'll do after this. I'll probably have to be stuck with Alexandra, and you know me and her don't get along. <laughs> Listen, you're my best friend at the bureau, too, and... I Since we have a bunch of time to waste, I was going to wait till we flew back to the bureau to give you this, but I got a little something for you. <laughs> What? You didn't have I to know do I that. didn't, but I wanted to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what is? Now you never will be facing those 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 vampire twins. Yeah, I'll never forget. When I close my eyes, I see their eyes glowing Me in too. the dark. Me too. Matthew looks white as a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I wouldn't mind going up there to see what the situation is during the day. So you guys head up to the hall, and it's not too far. You you can take the SUV up there, but you get there in like 20 minutes. Quick. Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy, thanks yeah. for driving. Thanks for driving, because I will never get used to driving on the wrong side <laughs> of the road here. Who's got the key to the front door? I do. All right. So are you opening it? Yeah, I'm just gonna go right up and uh, 
Yeah, just open the, the big double doors. Yeah. So the moment you're both across the threshold, you both feel all of a sudden like a sharp feeling in your heads. Both of you roll a charisma check. Ah! 11. 11. Okay, so uh, you both feel some pain. Uh, Jeremy, Ooh. you get over it a little faster. Maybe it's because you came in second or what, but uh, roll 1d6. Well, Dave, you take half damage. You take three points of psychic damage to your oh. HP. That's how bad of a pain it is. Holy Kate, shit. You take, head. you take three damage also because you rolled three. Um, it looks like the type of leak that would just be coming from like a broken pipe or something. Like okay. what the unusual moisture you've seen, it's hard to pinpoint a source. This leak seems like what you would just see in an old house. Matthew's gonna have a hell of a time selling this rusty old bucket. Hey, I can do anything. You ever watch Selling Sunset? <laughs> no, tell me about it. Oh my God, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah has started watching that and it's awful. It's trash and I love it. <laughs> I'm just saying, they flip houses, man. They can do anything. Those, What's it those on, women, Netflix? It's a Netflix show. It's about Hollywood, which I've never been to. And because we're never assigned, Terrence never assigns us any of those fancy places. So nah. I was sending us to f- f- fucking damp London. I did like those yeah. mushy peas, though. <laughs> it was worth coming here. You almost choked on those mushy peas. You don't even I got eat to them taste some common and going. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, get some of them real estates from Selling Sunset. They could sell this place. Well, you're so keen on selling places. Why don't you pick up those tools? We can at least give those back to Matthew so he doesn't have to come back in here creep himself out. I want to figure out where all this... I want to go up to where he saw... He said the master bedroom, right? Yeah, let's find a staircase around here. Oh. Yeah, don't get distracted by the layout of this house now. <laughs> so much square footage. Uh, That's what they talk about on Selling Sunset. Oh, man. <laughs> I gotta watch it. Can I have your login, your Netflix login? Oh, sure you can. Thanks, Jeremy. Just You just gotta commit to another year on the Bureau. Okay, well, I can pay $12.99 rather than commit to a year at a job that is burning me out, taking my soul. That is a very, very funny argument for like, hey, keep working at this occult investigation agency. I'll give you my Netflix password. For one year. You know, Jeremy, I knew you would never let me hear the end of this. (laughs) I should have kept it my big secret. (laughs) Oh, we're going together? Okay. What do you want to do? I was going to say split up. Split up? Are you insane? (laughs) Listen, oh, that man. better have been a joke because you that's the first thing that you've said that's made me want to stay out in the field to make sure that you don't die. So as you're going up the stairs, they are creaking, they're cracking. Like, these are rickety stairs. Uh, the banister is a long memory. There's, like, actually a rope strung up to, like, act as a makeshift banister. As I ascend to the top of the staircase, I grab the the rope banister and I say, look, Jeremy, I'm at the end of my rope here. Careful, I might cut that rope and let you fall to the oh bottom my God, for, you would. for turning your back on me and the bureau. I would still be working there. 
Yeah, with Terrence. You probably want to be close to Terrence, don't you? Terrence is all right. I guess, can I use my flashlight to try to see if any of them look, like, damper than the others? Like, if there's anyone Absolutely. that seems to be, like... Oh, good. Or if good. there's any, like, water coming from beneath them or something? Absolutely. Uh, roll an investigation check. Okay. Okay. So no uh, ingenuity or do. Cool. Um... Sorry, I'm just double-checking to determine which one would be the most moist. Seems like a good opportunity for us to split up and see what's in no, these two No, we're rooms. not splitting up. As, <laughs> right, as annoying right. as you are right now, there's no way I want to leave you alone. And you're looking around, and nothing seems out of the ordinary, and then all of a sudden, you see a drip of water fly from the floor to the ceiling. Ah! And as your eye traces it, there's a massive puddle on the roof of this room. It's cold as hell, man. I know it's not 11, but we might be seeing a fucking ghost. God damn it. Thought we could avoid it by going at two. You think the ghost is wet? (laughs) I think it's cold. But that's not what I asked. I asked, do you think the ghost is wet? I mean... You know, this house is wet as hell. I, I, hey man, I, you think the ghost know. is wet? <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest question to insist on an answer for. Right. Like, he asked me once, I don't know. Yeah, but do you think so? Yes or no? Uh, Yes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's go to that other room. There's nothing in here but a puddle, a uh, ceiling puddle. Yeah, let's get out of here. So you were going to that the one directly second. across? Yeah. yeah, let's do that one, the drippy one. Cool. Um, the place. There's so many damn rooms. You know, why do you need so many rooms? I guess could we just kind of peek out there, or is it like immediately visible that? It's just like a kind of a empty little balcony area there. Um, or like, can I take a look around and see if there's anything else? Yeah, you can go out there if you want. By the way, I got a shot here. You want to take it? <laughs> oh my God, you have. <laughs> oh yeah, I brought a little an flask. Open, open, okay. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm it's good. Just whole- One of us has I, to I'm drive kidding. back. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Go out there, let's investigate. I'm worried about you, man. Are you all right? No, my best friend's leaving me. (laughs) Oh, man. So he just yelled about you leaving and took a shot. Uh, Are you walking out on the balcony to get away from him? I'm going to walk out on the balcony and just be like, I just need some air. All right, well, you step out, and this is clearly not a stable balcony. Roll a dexterity Ah. check. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Six? <laughs> Are you oh, God, fall I'm rolling this? so bad. You step on a board that just causes a chain reaction, and you go through the balcony, <laughs> and you fall down to the main landing. Now uh, it's a real Hellboy story because somebody yeah. fell through a ceiling. Yep, and there are just ruins all over. But you're not falling into an exciting like labyrinth or something. You're falling just onto the porch you entered from. <laughs> Um, oh, oh, God! Oh, Marcus, are you all right? All, My knees! Roll uh, roll your D10 real fast. Oh, God. A five. A five. So no yeah. 
doom or ingenuity, but okay. you also roll 2d6. You take oh, that man. much bludgeoning damage from the fall. As you were falling through, you like got a really bad scrape on your leg. Um, ah! And your constitution modifier is plus two, so you can get two minor injuries, and it's always just minus one to the skill check. That doesn't stack. But then if you get more than two injuries, you start checking off. You get a moderate injury, and then a serious injury, and then a severe, and so on and so forth. Yeesh. Whoa. You, you happy, uh, Jeremy? We split up. That's what I was going to say. I'm going to go check out more of these rooms. You okay, though, down there? You going to be all I right? I mean, I'm not great. <laughs> all right. Well, I got a flashlight in my sidearm, so I'm going to go check another room. You get up here as soon as you can now. All right. Well, I'm going to put Neosporin on this cut because I don't want to get tetanus. Yeah, especially uh, with all this moisture in here. Can I roll a D4 then, at least? Can I use one of my field dressings to at least patch myself up a little bit. Okay, so the way you do it is you make a, a DC 12 wisdom medicine check. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You have to take time to use that oh. to get HP back. Okay. Um, so basically... Like a short rest or something? Yeah, in this, it for Hellboy, taking time is a short rest and... Or let me Going back to that. base is a long rest, I think. Uh, it is the one, and I don't, I don't think there's a way they could have gotten around this, but the one annoying thing is so much of the, uh, rules are the same as fifth edition, but then there's just a few things that are different that that I'm like searching through. Like, I know that I know that what's the different thing. No. Okay. So basically a short rest is called dusting off. You just take five minutes to dust yourself off, recover a little bit. You can use an ingenuity point to spend a hit die uh, that you guys have uh, to gain some hit points back. Um, but if you do it more than once in an hour, you'll create doom. Uh, the long rest is actually... So you know how in D&D a short rest is like an hour and a long rest is sleeping for like eight hours? Yeah. In this, dusting off is like five minutes and taking time is an hour, like a short rest. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I guess I'll just do a dusting off and and you said I can then use one of my hit die to... uh, You can spend an ingenuity point to... Oh, spend an ingenuity point, okay. Um, If you take time, that's how... If you take time, you can patch up and remove one minor injury or reduce the severity of a higher injury, and you can freely spend hit dice to get hit points back. You can't tell me that you've never thought about leaving the field. Never. Oh, that's right. You want to die in the field. (laughs) Man, you got to talk to... I mean, I'm not a therapist or anything, but I know you were in the service and, you know, doing this afterwards... It's it's rattles a person, you know? If we die on this mission together, I'd be happy. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my God. This and the drinking. <laughs> I mean, you got to promise me. Okay, you know what? I would do another month in the field when we get back. If you promise you'll at least have a consultation with the therapist <laughs> to talk about everything that's been going on on this mission. How about that? You got yourself a deal. Great. 
Now let's go find this sad what, dead woman. <laughs> what stage of the grieving process is bargaining? <laughs> <laughs> so they open, and you see what looks to be like another fairly well-appointed bathroom, um, and except there's also a hallway. There's so many rooms. Just for the, the, the quick start, so many rooms. I would have um, made it a haunted cottage. A haunted two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> <laughs> There's another room off this way. And then through this window, you can see there's like a, a outer landing there. Uh, as you're walking by the window in that room, uh, towards the next room, Marcus, you think you see a flash of movement on the rooftop. Ah! What was that? Did you see that on the roof? Uh, I didn't see nothing. What'd you see? What'd you see? What'd you see? I run up to the window. As you're going up to it, you realize the movement you saw, and you're kind of prepared because of this. You saw that movement. Uh, There is a horrifying frogman creature leaping through, in the process of leaping through the window at you guys. Ah, no. Holy shit! Roll initiative. Ah. If a, a croak could be a roar, it's just like a. <laughs> that was good. That was very good. Thank you. But luckily, he's coming after you, but he—you're not surprised because you had that little glimpse of him coming by. Okay, good. So he jumps out and. Swing. He's bust through the window and goes right up to you and swings these gross frog claws at your face. Ah! Uh, 13. 13. Uh, okay, so the first one definitely hits. And the second one also hits. Damn. So, first one is five slashing damage. Ow! Next one is nine slashing damage. Holy shit! Ow, fuck! <laughs> That's my best friend! <laughs> I want to pull my sidearm and take a couple shots at this monster. I'm sorry, Marcus. I ro- it's a one and a six. I hope your, I hope your army training kicks... No! It's oh, a no, one. you, you roll, rolled a one. I rolled you a roll one. one. Uh, oh, my Dave, God. roll I'm gonna get the two shot. yellow die. <laughs> oh my god. However, it is still a critical miss. So oh your your gun god. jams. The shot doesn't even go out. Oh it just goes click. Who makes these? I've only heard Hellboy mess up on this. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to have those cleaned and ready to go, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Don't so, blame me. This is on Terrence. He's the one to like, cut up with like a huge frog <laughs> slashing me. Yeah, your your gun, you're gonna have to take a turn to unjam it and reload it if you want to use the oh gun. Oh my god. Uh, Kate, it's it's uh, Marcus's turn now. Okay. No, your strength is 10. Not great, it's yeah. It's not great, but you can, you can absolutely try that. Okay. Yeah, I think I'll just give it a shot just out of like out of like reactive fear. I think he, he would just try to shove him backwards as much as he can. Right. My fucking god! I I rolled a one, dude. I rolled a one. Uh, we're dead. You're gonna Roll get your, your D10. wish. Roll we're your gonna D10. we're gonna die here. Uh, if the, I if this Five. ends with us dying, Five. I'm gonna be so. I'm dude, 
It um, seems likely at this point. Fail. Oh, right. I you didn't roll still, a 10, so I... still get a doom. God uh, damn it. The way this doom manifests, uh, in trying to knock him down, it's like you're trying to push a brick wall, and you put so much effort into it that you bounce yourself back, oh, and no. you, f- you fall prone. So you fall down, and Jeremy has a jammed gun. He leaps on top of you now that you're prone and starts slashing at you uh, because you are prone in front of this monster. He has advantage on the rolls. God damn it. Uh, And he is now pinning you to the floor. Ah, God. (laughs) (laughs) Stay in the field, he says. Dave, it's your turn. Uh, 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 I'm trying. I try to get this gun on un- track. I'm gonna try again. That's my best friend. <laughs> All right, we're gonna try to shoot again and see what uh, happens. Your gun jammed. Remember? Oh, because I can't. So you I have can't. to spend a turn so to fix it. If you want it. to, you have to spend use the gun. You oh, have to spend true. your action to unjam it. Or can I use a crowbar to attack it? <laughs> Do you have a crowbar? Yeah, in my tactical entry kit. I don't know if you can use it as a, a fi- I don't know if that means you can't use it as like a. I'd uh, like you to use that. I'm gonna try to. I, then I'd like to attack him with. Try yeah. to get a hit on him before I can before I fix my gun. Eight. <laughs> Plus one is nine. Nine. Uh, buddy, that's not you. Hit him. Pathetic. And it, it like clunks off because this guy he's not fully transformed yet. Like if it was dark this monster might pass as human, but like your crowbar clangs off of him of the sound of scales on his back. And he does that thing, Dave, where it clangs off and he just like slowly with his gross front prank looks back <laughs> at you. And as a warning, like. Marcus, uh, <laughs> this thing's tough. <laughs> he takes one more slash at Marcus. Well, he's got him pinned. Damn. Uh, 16, that's going to hit. Oh, my God. Uh, so th- <laughs> four more slashing damage. Okay. God, I'm and fucked then up. he <laughs> leaps at you, the guy who just swung a sledgehammer at him, <sighs> and attacks, but he swipes right past you, Dave. Oh, he misses uh, me? Whoa. Thank he misses God. You. But you distracted him, so he's not pinning Kate down anymore. Okay. I'll like, you know, I'll like shuffle up and just kind of sway for a second and then just take my gun out and go like straight for the back of of this frog creature's head. And do you um, want to do two attacks or do you want to use your abil- your double tap ability to make it with advantage? Um, I think I'll I'll try advantage because I've just been rolling so bad. You don't kill him, but like that shot in the back of the head, like it goes just a little wide, but like it clearly takes a chunk of his skull off. Nice. And he's still up, but like it hurt. And now it's your turn again, Dave. You don't even have to roll. If you back up like a foot and then just spend the turn doing it, you've you've trained enough with weapons, you can just do it. But it does use up your turn. All right, that's what we're gonna do. All right. We gotta so, get that because I gotta try to take a shot after you guys in dire straits, and then Kate just 
took a chunk of this monster's skull off and you're just back being like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I'm, I'm like frog brain is getting on you. Best friend, I'm sorry. I got to get my gun on jam. Once all that's done, I'll take a shot, okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm praying. I'm praying. You got it. But he approaches you, Dave. He's still, well, you're like distracted with that. He's going walking forward towards you and tries to take two two more swipes at you. So the first one does hit. Oof. That is going to be uh, nine slashing damage. Oh my god. Second one also hits. And also nine. So 18 slashing damage. This, um, thing, this thing's nasty, Marcus. It's being real nasty. Thank god. I got 13. Okay. So yeah, you can use that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try to shoot him. I'm not gonna do my double tap this time. I'm feeling luckier. Wow, I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, eight <laughs> to hit. Oh, uh, this pair of idiots. God. <laughs> that bullet goes fully wide. Since you didn't do the advantage, you can attack again. Oh, right, okay. 17. That one will hit. Don't forget to roll the D10 for each of those rolls. Describe where you shoot this guy. Okay. Um, I shoot him. He's still facing uh, Jeremy, right? Yeah. He's like bearing down on the priest. So I I feel I feel like an idiot that I missed the skull. So I'm going to aim more for like the upper torso area uh-huh. uh, this time to try to make sure that I absolutely land this shot. So I'm just like really focusing and aiming and shooting uh, for like his like class, like the whatever the back of his spine area that would go. Yeah, his spine that would like shoot out his like clavicle or something. Yeah. Um. From I'm just gonna say from Jeremy's perspective, you're like finished fumbling with your gun and just you're just about to raise it up, and then all of a sudden this horrifying thing kind of. At first you think it's lunging forward, but instead it just goes, and then falls forward, right in front of you, dead. Marcus's <laughs> smoking gun is behind it, and Jeremy, you got your gun just up, and you guys are just standing in between the corpse of a frog monster. Well, I have to say one thing. What's that? You are not too old for this. <laughs> How many hit points do you each have? I have 11 I have hit seven. points left. <laughs> you have how many, Dave? Seven. <laughs> seven total? We need to short rest or something. We need to, we need to take that hour break. I think so, if we can. So if they do note, these are like the cases organized in chapters and they specifically say like one chapter could be one whole session or you could go through multiples. It just depends on how quick your group is. Yeah. Um, so I think they specifically designed it to like you don't necessarily finish this all in one sitting. So were you guys investigating that room or anything before we wrap uh, it up? Let's investigate it. I'll roll. Bef- I'll roll before we investigate it, I'm going to grab Jer- Jeremy by the like the back of his the like back of his collar of his shirt and be like, I know you want to die in the field, but it's not going to be today. <laughs> You're just trying to convince him to take a, a yeah. I'm a just break. like it's just a little flavorful thing of yeah. like we're gonna take a break. Um, are you who? So I guess Jeremy is investigating since he's the one yeah, who's insisting. I let him go. I let him go, and he can check out the room. And I'm just gonna like lean over and like spit blood. <laughs> 
Uh, you're looking around, and this peeling wallpaper, you note, you kind of catch the tail of something and look, and it's sort of like one piece of wallpaper had started to sag down. Uh, but when you lift it up, you can see that someone's written just in like blue ballpoint pen on here. It says in faded blue ballpoint pen, don't stay the night. Yeah. Ooh. You know what this means, Marcus? Yeah, it means we're getting the hell out of here. <laughs> no, we're staying the night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yay! That feels like a good stopping point. Yeah, that's, the, that's definitely the end of that chapter. Sweet. All right, well, that was a fun little uh cliffhanger that we got to with our adventure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like Don't Stay the Night is a almost pre-written cliffhanger line of dialogue. Perfect. Yeah. It's very tropey. It feels stolen. And especially... But that's in the... That was in the prefab thing, yep. right? Like, that was in your... Yeah, that's so perfect. Uh, it's also perfect that you guys found that at, like... Eh, 6.30, set, like, at sunset. Yes, yeah. that was very good. Very eerie. Very fun time for that to happen. Sometimes getting fucked up in a game like that is the perfect, like, flavorfully, it works the best and is, like, such a fun element. Like, it sucks to get your ass kicked and have to be like, okay, now I have to, like, spend all my hit dice to recover from that, but... It's that... What a fun scene that it paints, you know? It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I also feel like... A fun thing with pre-generated characters, especially, is like you you don't necessarily have the attachment of like a character you made yourself and have been playing for a long time. So the possibility of totally. them dying doesn't hurt as much. Yeah. Yes. But I think that's also a thing like I think D&D &D, for me personally is only fun if there is the actual risk of a character dying some weight yeah exactly some weight i'm that's totally true yeah, i'm with you on that and i think that's that's a i i probably you've you two have more experience with dnd i've definitely played it i um i think i've maybe let character maybe one character die in that my short time of playing dnd but yeah and also there's like you can roll a new character or whatever like there is like there's fun, there's fun things to me in permanence Yes, that pe people avoid in a lot of other like story element or story mediums, I would per se. But Hellboy has that, which is sort of fun because we have had in the Hellboy storylines in the comics, things happen that have stayed permanent, like characters have died and not come back. So there's something yeah. fun about this, like you bring that up, Clay, of like how there is the possibility that a character could in your campaign or your version of this <laughs> could die and not come back. <laughs> I also think the background of the BPRD makes sense for that type of thing, because like there's always going to be new recruits to roll up and play as like. You yeah. know, it, it is that sort of like if you're a bureau, if someone dies, it's sad, but there's new people to be assigned to a squad. Yes. Yeah. Did you feel like as a like as the game master for this one, was it a pretty easy transition from DMing five like D&D &D 5e games to this? Like, was it just a, like was it as though you were just picking up any other kind of like? Yeah. I expansion like story or something? I think it was I think the biggest thing to remember and there's a few things that are like the added on parts that we forgot a few times like like rolling the d10 or the yellow die for ingenuity and doom 
uh, I didn't fully realize how much you did that when I was reading through the rules, because it is since it's basically almost any time you roll a D20, you're constantly generating yeah. that. Um, but I think that sort of thing is just one of those things where if you played a campaign of this a few times, everybody would get used to it and it would just become secondhand of right. like, I rolled my D20 and there's, I generate ingenuity or there's a doom that's put up. Yeah. Yeah, I think it wouldn't be too much of a struggle to incorporate that into the play. Mm -hmm. I did really like the feeling of that fight at the end with the frog monster. To me, it felt like a fight you might see in something like a Hellboy comic. Like, it's two normal humans almost dying and getting a little lucky. <laughs> Scrambling. Yeah, against yeah. one single, like, not even the most monstrous version of these. It really illustrates how powerful the, like, legendary heroes of Hellboy yeah. are. Like, for Hellboy to be able to just punch one. But for these two people to be able to be like overwhelmed by it, yeah, it gives it, it really highlights that. Yeah, I would agree. I love it. And it like you I mean, you as a game master also brought this as well. So I hope everybody that does play this game gets a good game master like you, Clay. But like Yeah. Like you illustrated it well and then the game itself, like, yeah, the the back and forth. Which I've always found fun when I started playing D D, but this as well is one of those elements. That like really can uh, beyond just us being readers of a comic book or watching a movie, it really is an element that really puts you at the center. If you allow your imagination to to take you there, it feels like great. You're just dropping me right in the middle of the Hellboy universe, and that's how I felt during that fight scene. Was just like great. Yeah. I'm the, now it's me versus this this frog monster, not just me watching some hero named Hellboy do it. Right. <laughs> it's cool. um, I it is interesting. I was worried, not worried exactly, but I was interested to see how the ingenuity and doom mechanic would feel. Just because as a DM, I personally subscribe to the idea that, yeah, the DM isn't trying to like win a game. Like, I don't win if you guys die. It's not a me versus the players right. thing. And the Doom thing, because it is, it can generate bad stuff for the characters. I was worried, I guess, that it would make it feel a little more like me versus you, but I didn't feel like it worked out that way. I liked that the doom and you guys couldn't see this in the background, but when that frog monster showed up was determined partly by the way and how much you were generating doom, which is a cool little back end thing you guys didn't know. about. Yeah, that's interesting. It adds some, I mean, it, it makes sense to kind of like add suspense you're like yeah just adding this mechanic seems to work well for that just like i yeah. don't know I don't yeah know i like that a lot <laughs> because it gives it that it, it adds like a very i mean yeah you're like any D D. like it's there's an organic element but like within a already like sort of based a world that's already so fleshed out from a, a, a source material of course Un unlike i i mean D D has like 
it's a source material, but it feels a little more like you. People make their own their 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 own out of it, right? Yes. Like am I wrong? Yeah. Whereas like Hellboy, it's like okay, you're coming in already with very without even these predetermined like campaigns. You're already entering a world that feels already written out for you. So that back end feels that back end element feels very much like an addition that is necessary maybe a little bit or not necessary, but like an addition gives you that more of an organic feel, even though you're dropped into a world that already is so illustrated uh, for us. So yeah. that's why I really like that is it gives you that feeling of like, it could come up at any time, no matter, even if we decided to play this quick start again, if that's true, then that you couldn't determine when that would happen again, I guess. Right. And I think it's also, um, because I had told you guys when we were talking about this, I was had kind of said that I would be willing to DM, especially if they had a pre-written module, because more so than D&D, I think, well, if it's a Hellboy story, there's a specific tone to it. Mm-hmm. And there's something very different writing an adventure in generic, like whatever I think of as fantasy versus, no, this is, we're trying to go for a, the tone of a Hellboy story. And yeah, I think this adventure one gives you this, obviously the people developing it have worked in that genre for a while now with the board game and now this, but I think it's interesting too, in the Kickstarter, I read that there's going to be a section of the book that's about how to write. They refer to the adventures as case files. So how to write case files in that world. That's nice. Because I think you do things like write your own investigation sheet and grand conspiracy sheet that you spend ingenuity and doom on and, and various things like that. That's awesome because that allows super helpful. Because like, that's such a fun thing to do because you might be able to, it, it's like, again, like fan fiction that you get to live in, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. which I think is a great element for Hellboy fans in general or and people that like Hellboy and RPG slash D&D. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I, uh, I also, this is probably the most in the weeds for like RPG nerd <laughs> I'll get or D&D nerd. But a weird thing I noted that I really liked how they handled was the guns because... You know, in D&D, it's mostly like swords, daggers, stabs. Like, you're not going to have a gun most mm-hmm. of the time. There's there's some settings yeah. I've heard of people make rules for. I guess you could be like a pirate right. or something. But, and especially, yeah, especially modern it's... guns. Like, it's not, if you have a gun, it's going to be like, you know, a blunderbuss or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right, right. <laughs> but I like the way they, because like, again, for this genre... BPRD agents have firearms like that would be ridiculous not to have it. And for a gun to feel like the way a gun works against a monster like that in the stories, it has to be powerful. And I, I really liked in just like a nerdy RPG rules way, uh, the guns, when you rolled the damage were like two D 10, which is, in normal D&D, that would be very high for a basic attack, mm-hmm. but it makes sense that a gun would have that. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, totally. That's great to give that modification, you know what I mean? Uh, understanding of the, what a modern, yeah, of that um, weaponry. And, and it, but it gives it still a chance to be such a low, like it could 
potentially be very low damage. Like you could miss an organ or yeah. something. <laughs> like there's still like some some flexibility to being too detailed. Yeah, I think I it think. may be like That's... kind of like I feel like between the doom and then the the ingenuity and like there is a lot of opportunity for a little bit more chaos in it. But I think that makes sense yeah. for, you know, you're investigating a haunted house. You don't know what's there. Or like you could yeah. argue that your agents are jittery. So yeah, even though they're point blank, maybe they, you know, miss an organ with this shot. But it, mm-hmm. but it also right. leaves room like, even though you guys had so much trouble, you killed that monster in two shots. You missed some, yeah. but two hits killed it. Right. Yeah. And I think that is a fun way to illustrate, like, you both had trouble, but also felt powerful. Totally. I like that. It also allows your character to feel sort of like in the world of BPRD where you're not just out of your element. You might be overwhelmed by a monster, but it's not. It's We're also agents that have dealt with this, you know, in the world. Yeah. This yeah, is part like of the seasoned, world. Yeah. yeah. And that, speaking of that, of like, we used characters, of course, that were already predetermined for us, but I'm very excited for when the game actually gets released to actually create my own agent, because I think that is the addition to what just the gameplay brings of giving us the ability to walk into the world. But the idea of like either creating a character or a character that's in a sense just yourself, but you know, different attributes. It's really a true element of just allowing yourself to walk into the Hellboy universe and be an agent for a while, Mm -hmm. which is something I'm fucking totally looking forward to. And I think a lot of other (laughs) people will. (laughs) Dave, I love your idea of like not creating a character, but just be, make a version of yourself that this is me. If I join the BPRD. I 100% yeah. think that's how you should do it. Your first character. If your you first that, character. If that was the case, what would your highest stat be? What would my highest stat be? Off of like the strength and dexterity, all that? Yeah, you've got um, uh, strength, dexterity. I'm looking it up. Uh, I mean, charisma is going to be up there high. Charisma? What's constitution? Uh, dexterity, I think, is pretty good. Constitution is like, uh, you know, like... Um, it's like how long you can walk through a desert without succumbing to thirst. It's uh, okay. how long you can hold your breath underwater, like how you hold up to damage, that sort of thing. I think my constitution, my charisma, my dexterity are my highest. Mm-hmm. Also, I think- also, just as a note, they generally say a 10 is like baseline real world human, just to give you an okay. idea of like what these people are at. Okay. I definitely think I'm a 10. Charisma is a little higher than 10. I think my dexterity is around 10. I think my strength is a little lower than that. And then I think my intelligence and wisdom are very low. <laughs> if you listen, if you listen to the sh- pod, if you listen to the <laughs> podcast, you would agree. <laughs> what about you, Kate? I think mine would be close to Marcus's. Maybe that's why I was like drawn to it. So like strength, I'm like, probably a normal heat like a 10 maybe an 11 i'm like i i don't know uh my dexterity as marcus is 14 and that might be a little too high like i'm not super acrobatic or you know i guess like you know not like crazy constitutions of 14 yeah probably i think i could withstand uh some some 
You you feel like you like, could take a punch. You know, I could take a punch, <laughs> I think. Yeah. So a 14 constitution seems fine. Intelligence of 12. That seems about right. The wisdom's 18, which I feel like, yeah, like intuition. And I mean, obviously, it's high for medicine for for this character, Marcus. But like perception, and, like perception. Yeah. And, uh, like I feel intuition. That, that feels yeah, right. Perce- for me. Wisdom tends to be is also like. Yeah, perception, intuition, how you read people, uh, you know, your common sense. Yeah, I feel like that would make sense for mine. Charisma, 10. I might make it slightly higher just to be, it sounds cocky, but I feel like, (laughs) you know, I feel like I I could work well with people. I would be at the BPRD, I would be, you know, gung-ho for whatever. So maybe it would be like, a 12 or a 14 or something. I feel like that's almost everyone, like, if you ever have a discussion of, like, what would your D&D stats be? Everyone's, like, pretty normal, pretty normal. My charisma would be a bit higher. Yeah, right. That's very funny. I'm pretty pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to ask other people to determine what the level would be. Like, what would you give my charisma? <laughs> that's so funny. It's like a Rorschach test or right. something. You're, like, figuring out. <laughs> Um, yeah and i mean what about you clay um i feel like my lowest one would probably be strength because i haven't been working out during the pandemic very much (laughs) Um, same i like to think my dexterity would be at minimum 10 maybe 11 but if i'm being totally honest it's probably a nine uh (laughs) I mean, when you look at stuff, when it says it's like acrobatics, I'm like, man, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this is my um, strength. But like, but I guess that's also if 10 is baseline human, a baseline human isn't, you know, an Olympic ass- athlete. Yeah. Right. Right. I that's true. balance on a short yeah, wall. Yeah. So be a little more generous right. with yourself. I bet you um, could, you know, you could like run and duck behind a bush if you had to. <laughs> yes. You know. Um, yeah. I feel like. Could hide behind a wall. would probably be. This also sounds cocky, but I feel like my highest of them would probably be intelligence. Yes, it would maybe be. Maybe wisdom. I think yeah. it would be. That doesn't sound cocky at all. It sounds like just, you know, you're, I think anybody who has the willingness to dungeon master, their intelligence would right. be high because you have to do so much yeah. homework. You have to do, you, you have to be like pretty on top of your shit to right. do that. So, uh, also, did yeah. you note, uh, th- some of the stat, the skills are the same as D and D, but under intelligence, they've added one that is bureaucracy. Yeah. Bureaucracy. <laughs> Very fun. So I do funny. love that. You could have an adventure in this where like, yeah, some of the case files are out at like location like this, but some of them are just like. You know, maybe something gets brought back from a case file to the headquarters and you're just oh, dealing yeah. with a weird thing at headquarters. Did you file your petty cash envelope in the correct way? Like, it's just like, I I don't know. I, Terrence, I, I don't did you know. Ta- Terrence, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I didn't tape my receipts at the top and the bottom. I have negative one bureaucracy, okay? <laughs> Fucking Terrence. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I mean, it's all these great elements that it makes me really excited to keep playing the game and and excited it's for its great. release. It was so fun. Yeah, I do. I think I like it. I mean, this is hard because 
we don't know what have been what it would have been otherwise. But I was very surprised to hear of a license using the SRD, the open source D and D rules, just because you know normally you they tend to if it's a licensed game that has an RPG, they make their whole own rule set. But I think I like this more because it made it so much easier to get into. Yeah, for somebody that's even yeah. like the most not versed with D and D, it didn't feel if it felt just easy to slip into and listen to like, oh yeah, I just roll this and I do this and I got the world immediately. It uh, very easy to drop into. Hell yeah! So I can only agree. I'm surprised. Yeah, it, it is surprising to hear that not a lot of other things have done that before, tried to license it just to build off of that. Yeah, I I can't think of any. I guess it's possible that there was one or two that I just don't know about that did it. But yeah, I, I don't really know. I think there's also just a thing of, I would imagine people get a little, if you're developing something, maybe they get gun shy of like, well, but if it's based on D&D, why wouldn't people just play D&D? But I think this is a good example of like, no, they added stuff that's unique to it that fleshes out that tone Mm -hmm. and recognizes that the tone is part and parcel of what you want out of a Hellboy RPG. And it's like, yeah, the, the, the bits that the bones of D and D can handle. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, but then let's add this stuff that makes it Hellboy. Absolutely. Which I think maybe it will set a precedent for other future possibilities for sure of that template. Uh, any last thoughts on the game itself and or just our interaction with it? It was just super fun. Yeah. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a fun, uh, quick start adventure too. Yeah. It felt like the quick start had so much to it. We, I mean, to the point where we couldn't finish it because we were having one, we were Mercer's these silly fun characters that we decided to, <laughs> to embody. And then also just, there is a lot, to do and if that's just a quick start really makes you imagine that a full campaign is just going to be so so rich with detail and fun i would say go get it i mean if you haven't joined the kickstarter (laughs) but it's probably already down by this time where um, this is you're listening to this but heck um once it comes out i would say jump on it i think it's a it's a good it's a good thing agreed but more importantly clay thank you thank you so much uh for taking the time out so much for doing all that for yes. familiarizing yourself with all of it. It's really so huge and like we really of appreciate it. Of course, it was it. really fun. I was glad you guys asked me. Yeah. yeah. I guess instead of a game master, you're just like the head of the bureau. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to this, I wonder what we call you. We have to come up with a title. You're Tom. Yeah, you're Tom Manning. <laughs> oh, God. I like the idea that I'm like a agent who's just on comms with you the whole time. Oh, there you go. I love it. Yeah, you're like the guy in the van. That is great. Is there a place, uh, social media or otherwise, if our listeners want more from you, your Um, photography as well, where do they find you? uh, uh, My Instagram is just uh, Instagram.com slash Clay Larson or at Clay Larson, C-L-A-Y-L-A-R-S-E-N. And my website is claylarson.com i just redesigned it uh if you're looking for a photographer heck yeah yeah he's great clay is amazing yes he is hire him hire him hire him um great well thank you again clay um this was a a absolute joy to to uh, play the game and discuss it with you thanks guys
was fun. Um, a very cool, a very cool discussion, and a very fun to like sort of try out um, a little like um, firsthand sort of what is in store for the future of the Mantic Games Hellboy RPG. Yeah, um, I'm excited to have that in the future since me and you did uh, contribute to the Kickstarter as a little duo. So we'll definitely be getting at least the the dice and the bag and. Uh, the little background so we can once that gets released hey you know if our listeners are into it Kate and I'd love to hear from our listeners about this if they're into it I would love to consider us having a little spin-off and maybe playing you know some totally this play. game live for their audience create some agents that we uh you know that sounds fun live on so hopefully yeah. maybe we'll do that uh let us know listeners what you would think if you would like to uh have us start a regular little spinoff segment, maybe with video, maybe Twitch. I don't know. Never done that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't either. I, I mean, uh, I've been thinking about it, but. But I think it would be a fun thing to do. Um, yeah. For, especially for our, our listeners and fans of the show. Do some more. Uh, create create our own, our own uh, agents to live in the world of Hellboy. Just sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but that's it. Definitely, again, I think, uh, I believe by the time you're listening to this, of course, the Kickstarter has closed from Mantic Games. So um, if you haven't already contributed, keep an eye out for when it goes live on officially on their site in the future. Because I think it's going to be something, if you love Hellboy, to definitely jump on that. Or yeah. jump on getting the board game, too. We've played that, and they have expansions that we're excited to play in the future. So uh, it's going to be, a, it's just cool. Mantic Games yeah. just created a way that you can live within the world of Hellboy. So that's pretty fucking awesome. We should try to force Jess and Beth to play with us or something to play it again. Oh, I bet we could get that to happen. Yeah. 100%. I mean, Jess really likes board games. I think she would like sit and learn it with us. I think so. I think yeah. I got it. I have to take the task to also sit down and learn it. So I'm not dependent completely always on clay. <laughs> yeah, I have to definitely relearn the rules. It was complicated. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I feel like that with every game, though. Like, yeah. when I walk into a new game, I'm like, well, how do I do this? And then I start we to play. play. We always play a round where everyone's just fully allowed to, like, show cards and ask questions and be like, what's happening? Like, especially if we're showing somebody a game. We're just like, okay, I'm just fully looking at your hand and this round doesn't matter. Well, that's very smart and generous. It's so much easier to learn that way. I think you're 100% right on that. Yeah. Well, we'll do that. We'll do that. It'd be fun to get... Um, that sounds cool. Fun to get our, our lovers to play the game with us. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'll, that's how I'll uh, phrase it to Jess. Be like, hey, lover. Do you want to uh, play the Hellboy board game with us? I'll do the same. <laughs> hey, Beth. You're my lover. Now be a gamer. You're my lover. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just wake her up with your? Uh... <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm, I'm waking her up all the time. Every time we're recording. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, in the future, expect that, listeners, uh, for the lovers episode where we play the game. lovers. Yeah, oh, that's so dumb. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> let's get now to um, setting aside the games. Now let's get to the the Lobster Johnson chapters 
uh, next two chapters, three and four of the Iron Prometheus. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give us a little, a little recap, though, of where we left sure. off? Sure. Yeah, well, I'll, um, oh, and I'll do the credits real quick, too. Written by uh, Mike Mignola, illustrated by Jason Armstrong. Colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley Boo. Uh, originally <laughs> published uh, back in between September 2007 and January 2008. Yeah, so we get, oh, well, also we get a nice like Mignola cover again. This one's like such a weird cover. You know, it's got like pretty essential Mignola kind of stuff. Like it has like this fun vertical composition it's it's like got this crazy brain in the background this crazy like exposed brain and a fun um scorpion you got lobster johnson there it's like includes everything but it's not the it's not my favorite cover of all time i think just like a brain shape is kind of hard to fit into his kind of standard like he'll do like either like a diagonal or a like pyramid shaped sort of like composition for the covers this is sort of like that It, it almost made me think of like a mushroom cloud explosion or something but there's not really like nuclear stuff, but it does deal with power. I don't know if he's like consciously trying to do something like that. Yeah, I feel yeah. It just feel it yeah. It, it it's fine. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's not as dynamic as you've already said um, of of his covers. Even the one before yeah. this is still the second cover. The second cover was really cool. Really, really great, liked that one. and I think the color like, and I guess it's more of like what he put on there. And then what Dave Stewart highlighted was just like, like the colors a little more. Whereas yeah. like the brain, the brain is so like it draws your eye to it to the point where it's like it's not. This doesn't feel like a natural flow of like of the of the cover. It just feels like. There's yeah, a usually there's block. like a feeling of like it being unified or, or like there's like elements tying it all together. I guess it's like you also have a the skull and this like suit and stuff, but it's you're, you you kind of have, you'd have to like work kind of hard to like tie these elements all together. You know, obviously like they're all in a story and stuff, but yeah, uh, yeah it's like, it's like a totally fine cover, <laughs> which yeah. is like the worst review I've ever given a piece of like Mignola's art. Yeah. I agree. That I it's mean, fine. That's okay. I yeah. mean, it's not like he's, it's not like we're now like done with him. It's just, hey, oh, yeah. this isn't our absolute favorite. <laughs> this is not my, this is not what I'm basing my back tattoo on. <laughs> Can't I'm wait picking for you to a get different, that. yeah, a huge back piece based on Mignola's work, but not this one. So yeah, we, uh, uh, in the last issues, Jim in his Vez suit and Lobster Johnson broke into this warehouse where the professor and his daughter were being held and tortured and trying to like give up the secret of the the like energy that they had used to create the suit. The warehouse exploded because Lobster Johnson cracked open a grenade and blew everybody up. <laughs> and then we sort of like wake up with Jim here in Hoboken, New Jersey, you know, and he's wakes up and immediately starts looking for the he's hearing like the voice of the professor calling to him. Yeah. And he sort of stumbles around until he comes upon this brain in a tube, which is all that's left of the professor. 
which is <laughs> really just a bummer. It's sad. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, back in the underground layer where like Lobster Johnson and his team sort of like hang out, they're like going over where they're, they're like, oh, the people who bought that warehouse that you blew up also have this uh, building in Hoboken. So go check there for Jim. <laughs> so that's fortunate they have somebody doing that, uh, you know, looking into that paperwork. Mm-hmm. And then Jim's talking to this uh, to the professor's brain. He's like, yeah, they fucking tortured me. And this is all that's left. Uh, you know, it's Light. horrible. Yeah, it sucks. And then, yeah, it's uh, so he he's telling Jim he doesn't care about the suit. Uh, just mean he just means to harness the vril. The like power of yeah. Well, I like at first we thought just Atlanteans, but it turns out it's like well, as we'll find out where the power like really originates in this issue. Then it cuts to one of these like giant. I mean, they're not really like homunculus guys, but they're like human sort of like thugs that this guy has hot like that. Um, Memnon saw has like tortured into being his slaves. Yeah. It, it, it makes me immediately think of uh, uh, Bane. Uh, yeah, from it's Batman, sort of a Bane vibe. Bane, Batman from Robin specifically, because that totally. movie starts out skinny and then they make him huge. That's what I. Yeah, they're juicing him up. <laughs> that's what, I mean, they probably, this guy was probably already pretty big, but I just, yeah. that's what I imagine. <laughs> yeah, they're like juicing him up with this power. It's like, yeah, it's similar to like the Venom or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You see like sort of other, mis- like, He's surrounded by like a mystic and a scientist who are both, you know, their powers combined, like their efforts combined are sort of like harnessing the Vril power mm-hmm. to make this guy strong. And then you see sort of like the background, like the doctor is explaining to, to Jim, the doctor's brain is explaining to Jim <laughs> that it's like this power that one of God's first angels went up and uh, enum went up and stole this power from the mouth of God and brought it down to the people of Hyperborea. And that made Hyperborea paradise. But then it all came tumbling down when they let in this goddess, which we sort of have heard a little bit about like the Hyperboreans before. But this kind of is neat. It like shows you uh, that it's that Hyperborea was tied to it's outposts, uh, they call it in this comic, Atlantis, Leto, and others. So, like, all these other, like, ancient cities also lost their power. That's, like, the tie into Atlantis that we heard in the yeah. previous comic. Um, and I and think I like, agree with remain- you. I, th- I think I agree with you. I really like the backstory stuff right here. We That's get- really what this whole comic feels like to me is, like, like we like I kind of said it before we started recording. It's like a very it's like a fun illustrated footnote. Yes. The whole thing is just like flavoring like BPRD and um, like it's less about Lobster Johnson. It's not really developing Lobster Johnson in any way. It's just like if anything, you're learning more about this new character, Jim, that you've just never even met before. And, you know, Lobster Johnson's just like, I better go shoot a guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, you know. Lobster Johnson's like not even getting this information. It's just us. Right. Us as the listeners sort of in Jim's seat being yeah. told this information that, like you already said, is informing the bigger picture of the world we've already been immersed in for several years. Yeah. It's it's like we got a little bit of that when we uh, from the island in Hellboy, right? With the watchers in the back and how the uh, all the 
all of that and Audrey Jihad and all of that. But like, yeah. this is just like, oh, we're giving you a little more, <laughs> but we're yeah. going to do it through a conversation between a brain and this character in a, in a, in a suit, in a power suit. <laughs> yeah. And then you get the, uh, it's, yeah. So it's just kind of talking about like how this power was passed down. Hyperboreans still had it. And then they saw how like, um, apes turned into men and then men started to like harness the power to do shit. The doctor says, all my life I've dreamed of rediscovering the secret, like Prometheus who stole fire from the sun. I wanted to give real to the world to make it a paradise again. So that's our like titular kind of comments there. So yeah, he's like, yeah, um, but now it's gonna go into the hands of the devil. It's really bad. So uh, Jim's looking super scared. And then we see like through the basement, Lobster Johnson's breaking in, shooting his way through the cronies that are down guarding the, the basement area. Jim's like, we have to get you out of here. And this part, when I read it, I did gasp. I was like, oh, no, because the some Memnon Saw comes in with his Luger and fucking shoots the brain. He it's shoots the doctor. Wild. It's wild. I was like, oh. <laughs> I felt bad. Like they I mean, this is a character that you've barely seen, but. I guess you just sympathize with him because he was trying to use this power for good. It's sort of like a it's like a it's like a Nobel or something like a guy who wanted to make dynamite for good. And it was used for like weapons and shit. But like, you know, it's sort of a similar kind of thing. You like feel bad for this doctor who's like just trying to bring a source of power to humans. And they're just like somebody's obviously using it to gain power. Yeah. It's funny. It's a funny panel with his little claws holding the Luger, too. Yeah. It's almost like it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's almost unexpected too to like see a guy that feels very mystic to decide to use a, a Luger, like a gun. A gun yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, are you as mystical as you say? Like, <laughs> you know, because he's also like used the get like. He's, he used, like, the mannequin of himself with the yeah. gas in the previous issue. It's like, you're maybe not totally as magical or powerful as, like, you're putting on. Yeah, um, I agree. Like, cause we the, the version we've seen him is from, is later on in a world where he's in a dream world, right? Manipulating Liz. Now it's like, but he just feels like a villain that's a magician in the sense of, uh, of, He's creating illusions, not really. Right, he's like sleight of hand yeah. kind of a guy. The snakes is the the only thing we've really seen from him that's been an actual, right. been magic or like yeah. supernatural. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, he's just caused all this violence that, you know, Lobster Johnson's working his way up to the, presumably up to the same room. He's like probably within the same building. Jim turns to Memnon and says, you are the devil. And he says, I, I assure you, Mr. Sachs, if either of us has claimed to demonic powers, it's you. You're dead, Mr. Sachs, and yet you live. So like, I guess the gas he was exposed to should have killed him. But maybe through the power of Vril, he survived. I'm not totally sure why Jim is, is still he, alive. Yeah. Is is that or is this manipulation? Right. Is he fucking with him? And he's like, you should be you. I dragged you here because you were dead. He's like telling him you were. Hey, you were totally dead. And I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Because to me, I'm like, 
it, we'll keep reading, but it feels like a manipulation as well. Like, right, he's trying to like freak him out. Because it's like when he went into the, the, the icy world and saw Helena, it was like definitely an illusion to me. Like, oh, yeah. It read like, oh, they've been, they're manipulating him either through hallucinogenics or magic, whatever. It's sort of, uncle- it's almost unclear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's, a, I mean, the unclearness is sort of, again, I feel like the re- for a reader, you feel like you're in Jim's seat. You're going, yeah, what the you fuck feel is very going much on? like, yeah, everything's kind of trippy and weird. Um, this is like his first exposure to like mystical, like mythical shit happening in front of his very eyes. <laughs> so, yeah, it do- I guess it does like relay that creepy feeling. Memnon Sa calls in his huge, like augmented slave guy to fight to fight Jim then it cuts back to Lobster Johnson finding like a sort of a greenhouse within this building. He overhears one of the little like minions of Memnon Saw telling Hel- Helena that he's going to torture her and like s- cut her skin off and grow shit. <laughs> Lobster Johnson fucking blasts him in the head. A giant, uh, another giant like slave guy attacks him from the back. And then we sort of have this fun like both fights happening simultaneously but like differentiated with the with really stark colored differences. Yeah. So like we have this sort of like green yellow overtone over Lobster Johnson's fight, Lobster Johnson's fight, and this sort of like purplish and yellow overtone of um, Jim and the other like mo- kind of like augmented monster fight. Yeah, it's very good. Um, just Dave Stewart. Uh, yeah. Work. Um, especially I really like. The, the panel when it gets to the point where Lobster Johnson hits hits the big guy in the face with like a a, a, bonz, a little bonsai yeah face and then the one guy's holding up Jim in his suit with uh, I really like fork. that panel too yeah all that energy blast coming off of Jim's back and, and yeah. off of our the guy's the fork the unknown fork is really good yeah the cool the shadows and the colors are done really well on that I love that one. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, and it's just like a freaky, crazy fight. Helena helps Lobster Johnson by grabbing the guy, the like brute guy around the neck. Lobster Johnson cracks this. It looks, it looked like a scorpion in amber, but when he cracks the whatever the amber casing is around the scorpion, it shatters like glass, stings the brute's shoulder, and then his fucking arm blows up like crazy it just like (laughs) swells up immediately and then he like bursts into dust and dies yeah it's It's like put that scorpion back under a jar or something (laughs) that thing's bad news yeah Um, that was a big surprise there it is justice like every fifth word out of lobster johnson's mouth is justice and but the fight continues down with jim and the other um, like superpower brute lobster Johnson and Helena. They're like, we got to go find my father. You get like a fun steaming corpse, like skeleton of the guy who was by the scorpion. His, even his bone is huge. So like his bone swole up. It's like a crazy picture. Big fan of that panel. Be just simply because of that giant bone hand arm. <laughs> this is like the all hell broke loose page. Like you've got like the brute fighting Jim getting stronger and more like evil looking, which is like another, like this is such a, it's like a, I mean, it's hard to say it references Mignola cause Mignola wrote it, but it's like something that he does 
like he's done a couple times before where where the the villain that's in the midst of the fight is growing and changing and becoming stronger even during the fight. Yes. And that's like definitely happening here with this character. Yeah, 100%. It gets to a cool... I mean, after we see them talk for a bit, we'll get to the cool panel where he's, like, fully grown, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Menmen Saw is basically just, like, talking to his uh, little cronies, and they're like, oh, this is the prophecy. Like, you're the guy that's prophesized because um, you're breeding dragons and bringing the power to the world, and this um, brute guy that was his slave is now basic, has completely, like, turned into a dragon, and that's where part three ends he's like really transformed and has like a fucking tail and crazy teeth coming out and stuff so yeah that part's pretty cool he's holding jim and jim's like fucking on fire like his head is like smoking yeah he got burned alive and that thing he got fucked up and that's what makes me think it was manipulative of his being dead is that if he was dead I think the dead thing was to catch him off guard and be like, you're already dead. I poisoned you. So this guy could just be like, well, I'm going to fuck you up and get hold of you so I can rip, rip the power out of you. And of course, burn you to death. But now he's like really dead. And then in the fourth one, in the fourth one, it's like, well, even on the cover. So we have another Mignola cover. You get to see the dragon brute guy you get to see jim as a fully just as a skull like a skeleton within this uh vez suit and lobster johnson in the front and this feel again i i we we already talked about the previous this feels like a more dynamic and like well balanced cover like like you said it has like a v because you start with lobster and then you go out you see jim and then to the dragon and then and it's like it just flows so perfectly yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's just a much stronger, like, more, like, decisively, like, this shape. And you have, like, little elements like the claw and the flame from the fork are matching. And, like, the eyes of the dragon are sort of, like, in that same orangey family. Yeah. And this, like, red smoke that's behind the dragon continues down behind Lobster Johnson. I think it just, like... Makes it makes the illusion that it's continuing like a V behind them. I like the little flame too, uh, match uh, on um, Jim's hand. Yeah, really yeah, cool. his like power, like sur- like collecting there. Super neat. Yeah. I like that cover. I do too. The covers uh, might be my. The majority of the covers are probably my favorite part of this this read. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah, because it's 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 like we kind of said the other day too. It's like. You just kind of want to find out, like, what Memnon Saw's deal is. Yes. I think from from this, like, you're not really, you know, getting any kind of, like, definitive Lobster Johnson backstory. They're, they're, like, purposely keeping it under wraps, like, under shadows, because they think they want to maintain the mystery of the character. Like, that's the fun of this character is, mm-hmm. like, you don't know... So you get to use your imagination and then he's like, even within the reality of the comic, he's shrouded in his own lore. So it's like, you're never going to get a real like concrete answer, I think, uh, on who Lobster Johnson is and what his whole fucking deal is. At least not for here. Yeah. Yeah. Not not in this one. I, like, I don't expect them to kind of answer any of that. Yeah. And then so in the fourth one, we're still in Jersey. Uh, we see... Lobster Johnson and Helena finding her father and he's just a brain that's in a tube that's been shot. 
So that's pretty fucking rough. Or they find it. Sorry, they find his. Um, they find his body that the head has been cut open and the brain's been taking out. Sorry. No, um, you're right. It, he's just. Yeah. Ooh, I mean, his bloody hand. I mean, it's just they just left that body just sitting there. Oof. Yeah, they were like, "We'll take care of this later." Uh, Helena's like, "Lobster Johnson, you gotta help." And then Lobster Johnson, I guess, chucks her out a window. It, she even like looks like she's hitting the steel that was like covering the window and lands in the hands of his like helpers or whatever his crew. I have to say. Take care of her. <laughs> yeah, that's there's this element of Lobster Johnson that I do like because, uh, OK, this is a weird comparison. You know how Captain America is a man out of time, but they sort of go yeah. like he's out of a man and out of time with like on the right side of history in a sense. And yeah. Like, has like has like like a good like sense of like America's for the people. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think Lobster Johnson's like man out of a man of his time. That's bad, and I yeah, and like he's like if our grandpas had superpowers, it would be like uh, this is fine, I guess. Like maybe you're not the most qualified to be this tough, and <laughs> but I also like it because it's not that I'd like. Oh, it's yeah. more true to what it would be. It's yeah. like you you wouldn't be like the nicest person. You know what we were watching? Okay, so do you remember the movie Pacific Rim? Another Del Toro yes. movie? Um, so they made a really bad version, uh, like a knockoff version called Atlantic Rim, uh, which was on like the newer yes. Mystery Science Theater 3000 thing. So we watched Atlantic Rim. Uh, Jess had never seen Pacific Rim, but she watched Atlanta, Atlantic Rim first. <laughs> and the main character is such an asshole that, and we're just the whole time we're like, he's supposed to be your like average Joe that you're like, this is me. This is the like audience analog for dealing with this situation. And he's such a dickhead and he's like super sexist and stupid the whole time. Whoa. And we were like, this is who it would be though. Like if it was like. If it was, like, just a soldier who was really good at this, he probably would just be kind of a dickhead. Yeah. You know, and I know t I know a bunch of people who are in, like, various branches of the military, and they're very nice people. But, like, if you were, like, a cocky guy who was, like, in the army and uh, just happened to be good at this thing, like, you, there's no nothing saying that you would be like this upright you know just person you would just be like a guy who likes to shoot big guns or whatever the fuck anyway that's what baby think think, yeah, that. <laughs> like that's lobster johnson he's just like he's not really good or bad he's sort of he's he's like just teetering on good yeah like he's on the right side but how he gets the job done is questionable yeah like i'm constantly going you're an asshole <laughs> Yeah. And like it's 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 what I like, but I also don't want to champion him. He's not like the character that I'm like, oh, he's no, the hero yeah. I want. It's more like, fuck, it's the hero we got. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like we just got to make do with this guy. I guess, you know, he, he her rescued her, but he also pushed her through a steel plate out a window. And she's like, are you fucking crazy? Like, yeah, I could have just gotten down this window. You didn't have to fucking shove me. Exactly. It's so telling. It's so telling of the character, and I'm, and it's sort of like when we first got introduced to him, how we were immediately like, this guy just fucking kicks a door in and blasts people with his gun, and it's like, right. it's like, let's God sort him out. Yeah, and so down the line, I'm always like a little wary of like, are they going to change that? 
And then I'm like, how does Hellboy like Hellboy's such a like complex character and he's also leans on being a good he's very much a good person so I'm oh like, yeah how the hell does hellboy become such a i get as a child how he's a fan but as an adult i'm like how are you still a fan of fucking lobster johnson i guess that's it it's like he hasn't really seen lobster like his only real exposure to lobster johnson would be through these like fictional that's movies true. and comic books so maybe that version of lobster johnson's like more of a Captain America, and the real guy is kind of like a little bit of just a dick. Yeah. <laughs> he's like not bad, but he's also like, just, I don't want to be your friend necessarily. You're just a fucking weirdo. <laughs> uh, but I'm kind you know, at this point, being this far into the comic, I'm kind of just fine with that being his like real persona, like his real character is like, I am just too. A gr- idiot. Like, yeah. Cause, cause it's, because this will be over, you know, this is a, it's it's like a five issue run. It's not like, I don't know. He, he's not like my main character showing up in every thread of BPRD. I'm like, yeah. just fine with him being off on the side and flavoring this backstory that they want to tell. And it's and, it, and it's sort of it is informing us from the last BPRD where he showed up and shot um, and Mansa in through ghost bullets into Liz. You're like, yeah. oh, this is giving you a backstory. Maybe we'll see more in the other Lobster Johnson storylines, of course, yeah. down the line. But they're definitely showing like, oh, they were adversaries at some point. Yeah. And this fourth one, we were sort of just getting um, uh, Mansa is watching his slave crony turn into the dragon just morphing more and more into him. This, like, other mystic who's with him is like, and the prophet declared that the first herald of his glory would be a dragon. So he's, like, sort of, like, holding the talisman that they've been, like, that Lobster Johnson had at the very first issue. Yeah. Just showing, like, this is the prophecy being fulfilled, basically. We see the dragon throw Jim, a skeletal Jim within the suit, down through the floor into the basement with all these like two pipes and shit. And Memnon saw tells his scientist, his dark like scientist to create 369 more. And that's what his like army, his legion will be. And then you sort of see like a flat, like a flash of Memnon saw's fantasy of his like monstrous dragons just crushing <laughs> like Russian and Nazi and American troops and basically how he's going to bring back hyperborea to bring it back to earth and like destroy all the kingdoms that are currently existing on yeah, earth he loves um he has a big yeah big world takeover plan in his mind yeah he's like this is gonna work it's gonna be so great i do like uh, the idea that during this time there is something fun about him being like i want to banish everything it's not like a classic villain of like he even wants to take down Nazis and Russia. Yeah, oh, everybody. Everybody. Even it's like it implies China. Everything. It's just like, well, that's pretty. It's pretty crazy. And yeah, I, I think that's fun. It's like you're gonna join me under this, and like you also. It also makes me think like, is this a similar prophecy? Like, I think that this prophecy is not actually foretelling Memnon Sa's reign because obviously, I, I think he's gonna get thwarted. Is this the kind of thing that's, like, related to the dragon Andrew Jihad? Like, I, I wonder, like, is this, like, is this just a prophecy that, like, they think is being fulfilled right now, but it's actually not because Memnon saw is going to fuck it up and not right. take over the world? that's good. I don't know. No, but that is good, like, almost like 
they've tweaked the prophecy, but there's something bigger behind it. They've tweaked yeah. it for their own gain, but it's like actually you're gonna lead to a ter- more of a terrible thing if you keep it, yeah. keep it going. Because it isn't directly like in this story right now. It's not directly like then I will bring about the great dragon. It's more just a right. He's not take. even thinking about Archer Jihad. He's like me. I'm gonna bring back Hyperborea. Yeah, and it's gonna be cool. And if nobody, you know, anybody who doesn't join me is gonna end up dead. And then it shows like. Jim's smoking body at the in the basement, you know. Yeah, but still alive, even though he's uh, just this this the skeleton in a suit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wild. And then the professor appears to him and is like, you know, instructing him to get up and uh, kind of basically just tell him, telling him like the uh, it was just a tool that real power is in you now. So he's like imbued with this power. And it's like the power of the universe and you're going to go out there and it, like, I'm a ghost, so I'm stuck on Earth. You're going to go out and explore these crazy worlds. We sort of see like a cool, almost like Kirby-esque sort of like galactic power star kind of scene. Yeah. Um, it's like really trippy and cool. You see it like within the reflection of Jim's eyes. And then this like this like uh, this energy this real power radiates from jim and sort of like reanimates him and he like floats up in his suit looking really cool yeah with all that power um, in the school so wow. yeah it's really neat and the dragon's like what blah, 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 blah. i thought i got you <laughs> and so they're all watching it as jim's power like collects and just gets bigger and bigger and you see sort of the like sort of like Lobster Johnson and the various like guys that he's killed down here. He sees that one of the guys he killed has a swastika on his hand. So he his bra- he's just down there like branding cronies as yeah. like the real actions <laughs> happening up there. He's just putting the lobs, you know, the mark of the claw on people's foreheads down in the basement. Meanwhile, like real power from God is blasting a dragon two floors up. <laughs> um, so yeah, it just destroys all of the scientists and all of the cronies around and like all of the equipment that they were working with. Um, it makes the, the power makes the lights in lobster Johnson's area kind of start to crackle and it's just engulfing this whole thing. And the only thing that's left is like smoking bodies. And then you see the empty suit uh, with Jim gone and just a panel of like this universal power that, and you assume he's just like dissipated up into it and is like traveling among this power as part of the universe again or something like that. Like they, they, they don't like explicitly say, but they kind of did when the professor was like, go to this power. That's where you're going to be. Um, and then you hear Lobster Johnson calling from Emden Saw, whoever you are, whatever you are, time to face the harsher justice of the lobster's claw. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's coming from Emden Saw. Shoots him in the um, back. <laughs> shoots him in the fucking back. Kicks, uh, Emden Saw runs. Uh, Lobster Johnson kicks the door down where he ran. And then out of the shadows where you think he was going to confront Memnon Saab emerges a baboon. I guess this is Memnon Saab transformed. I don't I'm wondering if it's that. Or did if he, he transform just... himself or did he was he like, I'll disappear into the shadows and then my baboon helper will take care of. I'm assuming Lobster it's a Johnson. bamboo helper. I think it's a monster okay. bamboo that he like was like, he's in here. I'll slip past him and then he'll pop yes. out. <laughs> OK, cool. 
Yeah, I guess I, that seems right. Uh, yeah, he emerges and attacks Lobster Johnson. I like his expression, his facial expression as yes. he gets. Ooh. He's completely surprised by this. He's like, I really didn't expect a baboon to jump at me from <laughs> this dark room. His buddies outside are like calling to him like, boss? And the baboon's like fully clutching his face and body like. <laughs> yeah, he got. He really it's got the upper hand funny. on him. <laughs> oh, yeah, big time. Then outside, Lobster Johnson's friends see... A, like a skeletal figure who's been killed. He has the the brand of justice on his forehead. This lobster's claw burned into his forehead. And as he walks towards the uh, towards uh, uh, Helena and her and the lobster Johnson's guys, he starts to like bulk back up and turn back into this like monstrous monkey creature. And they just start blasting him, you know, just shooting him with all they got. And then he turns back into. A skeletal figure and then lands on the ground and poof into dust and they just go well he was spooky <laughs> but not too tough and then like down back where you know the baboon and lobster johnson are fighting sort of simultaneously with this other attack yeah they fell into lobster the johnson sewer. <laughs> yeah they fall into a sewer lobster johnson drowns the baboon in the sewer <laughs> looks up gets knocked in the head by the butt of a rifle it's the Nazi, it's the Nazis. They're sort of like, just ha- like, find Lobster Johnson, knock his ass out, and just like salute each other. They're like, hey, we're all Nazis down here. And that's the end of the fourth issue. <laughs> yeah. So it's fucking yeah. weird. A lot of, weird. it's a weird one. <laughs> and then you get like another fun, like fake article about like, Lobster Johnson was turned into several movies that did okay like yeah it's a very funny like pulpy uh way about it uh yeah which are okay to me like these little backstories are fun i i more so like the art of like these fake covers and like yeah fake photographs um i think they're very fun again i just wish i i truly wish there was a little more like they remind me they, they remind me of like the things that alan moore does which I think he's in the past. He's been like in Watchmen. You'd get like a, a yeah. fake article about a character. The, yeah, or and like the whole like pirates comic book and shit. Yeah, there'd be this addition to it. This seems like it's sort of being that, but it's also doesn't feel fully like fleshed out. It feels a little bit like because the one before this, what does the one talk about? It talks at the in issue three. There's one, and it talks about like more of him. Just like it's when he gets into the pictures and more of the novels and these two other writers, Adam Horowitz and Isaac Janky Rosen. It literally ends so dark with one of the creators. It's so ha- dark. Hanging himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like it, it shows you Cooper. like a, it shows you like a picture of them working happily together. And it's yeah. like, they were, you know, they weren't the best comic creators, but they were enthusiastic. And then like 15 years later, the, the one guy hangs himself in his apartment yeah. and it's like, yikes, this is brutal. Very brutal. And then this one. I guess really it's kind of this like stark contrast of like the fun zany aspect of the comic or the pulp, uh, like the pulp magazine or a movie. And then contrasting it with with the real world that's kind of simple and violent and sad. Yeah. It's a bummer. Like these are kind of. Yeah. But it also just feels a little inconsistent and unbalanced to me. Like. Like tonally through all of these have been like, I'm like interested in them because I'm like, oh, this is I love this when people do this 
where they sort of add a weird prose or a different sort of format to tell me about a character. I actually like it when it's done really well. Yeah. These ones are sort of like, they feel half-baked is sort of the feeling I get from it. Where I'm yeah. like, oh, that's cool to hit Lobster Johnson. They're like afterthoughts. Like, I wonder if they finished the book and they were like, we really didn't put that much in about Lobster Johnson. And they were like, let's throw these other, like, article thingies in to kind of make it, uh, you know, he's in he's in the fucking title. Like, maybe we need to add <laughs> something about him. Yeah. it's um, It gets a little yeah. too meta, too. I think it gets sort of silly meta it's at, very, the, end, it's at very the end meta. of the second one. They literally yeah. cite a big budget remake of Lobster Johnson and the Ring of Death, 1957. By acclaimed Mexican director and Guillermo del Toro has been been rumored, but so far no official word. I'm just like, yeah. what? Very silly. <laughs> it's so silly. And I'm like, I just wish it was a little more like, even if you have to do it like a fun way of like talking a little bit about like, oh, these people knew Lobster Johnson in these novels. Like what you sort of implied of like, there's a contrast of like Hellboy knowing Hellboy like through the com, like the fictional version of him. Versus the contrast of what he is in the comics. I feel like that's what's lacking for me is like sort of like a fun, like make him a little more brutal or like focus on him. Give me a little more because I feel like we got to know. I think you already pointed this out. We've gotten to know it feels like Jim's story through these yeah. last four issues versus Lobster Johnson just seems to be a happenstance, seems to be a player in it versus yeah. like giving us like really showing lobster johnson's true nature versus i would love if it was like like maybe this is me pitching too hard into this and not giving it enough credit but it would have been fun to see like excerpts from these books like yeah like telling us like oh wow we're reading like no lobster johnson's sort of brutal and and then the excerpt sort of is the other way like I oh think, we're yeah, getting him a right. little lighter like, like he's a hero totally. like, oh the truth is he's actually pretty fucking brutal right bad. he's kind of a fucking <laughs> maniac yeah i think yeah i think that that's like a really interesting that would be a really interesting take which I think they're like sort of trying to do without bothering to go do it. Like it's like they're adding these little extra asides. They, it's it's kind of like they're trying to do two different things. Like they wanted to tell the story and have this background story with Memnonsa and tie in this other character that was like unexpectedly super popular. I think. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's some in some intro or some or or other Mignola talks about how he didn't really expect Lobster Johnson to be as big as he was immediately. For sure. So it's like like I think throughout this, I mean, the whole thing of Lobster Johnson is he is just like a symbol, like literally, like he his character is just interested in putting his symbol on dead bad guys. Yeah. He is like. Just a, he's just being like used sim- symbolically by the author for I, I mean you know there, there's not much like depth to him besides that so I think like they don't really make any decisions about his backstory because I don't think he ever really was supposed to have a fucking complex backstory yeah you know what I mean he's they're just kind of keeping him in the shadows from us as an audience reading it intentionally to like kind of make him what it's kind of make him like a tool for a narrative tool for whatever they feel like yeah and I think you can do that I just wanted a little if you're gonna do these these this truth the true history of Lobster Johnson 
I feel like it needs to be part of that, like shedding some fun light. Yeah, have some history. (laughs) Yeah, some actual history that's like, again, like adding to the mythos of him of like, oh, what he was public. Like, again, I feel like I'm pitching an idea that, you know, I can't I can't change what's now on the page. But again, like uh, showing us through the storyline what he's truly like, but then like what what authors or media portray him as, you know what I mean? Which is, yeah, I think that's more that would have been like a an interesting way for for me to have like half and half almost like a kid reading the comic and being like, wow, this is what Lobster Johnson's doing or or to even have the guy who's like the fake author of these pulp comics have him in this story somewhere witnessing this yeah. unless he is. And I'm just not understand like unless one of these crony guys waiting outside getting attacked by one of his by one of the like creatures that he killed earlier is is that author i i don't know yeah and i mean they have like fun details about like what the movies are like these lobster johnson like low budget uh, movies made in mexico but they just don't shine <laughs> they don't sh- they they're like a fun like pulpy element or like you know what i mean like something that's yeah that, but it, it's like fulfilling a part of the, the story that i'm like but how does that enrich our character versus just okay uh, I don't, I don't, I, and I, I get, for some people that's going to work and they're going to be like, cool, he was like these old fun black and white movies because this stuff will come up and I've read stuff where they like, they, they, they actually show parts of these movies being filmed and stuff like that. We'll get to that much later on, but it's just reading this. I'm like, I'm a little let down. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. You just expected more out of it and it's like, yeah, it's kind of just this backstory thing. Yeah. And I feel like. I'm going to go back to what you're calling this is a footnote. And I feel that's sort of what I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed by too so far is that I wish, I wish they would have like sort of, it has a little bit of like, I'm going to compare it to a dumb movie called uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, where you end up by the end of that movie, there's like a line of people running around with Indiana Jones, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's, I got to re, I got to, oh, sorry. I'm just knocking into my desk. So excited to talk about Crystal Skull. Yeah. I mean, it's a silly ass movie. Um, but I want to rewatch it. I haven't seen it since the theater. I haven't either, really, at all. Maybe clips. But I wish they would have because, like, the little we have of Lobster Johnson, he's a very solo character. In other sto- small short stories, we've seen he's had a sidekick. And I feel like it's sort of, it, it's sort of, this whole, this whole storyline so far to me has felt very clunky. Almost like they're jamming a lot into it that has been detrimental to the simplicity of what this pulpy kind of book is supposed to be. For example, he has a whole team, but we don't even flesh the fucking team out. It's just, he has a team and it leaves me going like, yeah, I want, I'm like, give me less. And right. I don't need all of those guys, I guess. And like, I, why, I mean, why bring back this, crony that he killed in like the first issue how why have him reanimate and come back i guess i guess we still have one more issue left so maybe For some sure. of these questions will get resolved but yeah it's kind of like wait, wait what 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 like every single turn but i guess that's what they want you to feel like i don't know you know what was fucking cool the <laughs> the fighting in this issue I like agree. the punching of the big guys that like the guy that's turning into the dragon him getting like bigger and bigger i thought that was I agree. cool that panel that we've discussed where he's the dragon holding the burning gym is at the end of chapter three is fucking cool as hell. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, when Jim emerges in the suit full of, like, the real power, you know, it's, like, emanating off of him in sort of, like, lightning bolts. Uh, that shit was cool. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, like, I, I, I do like what we've already discussed of, like, Hell, I mean, not Hellboy, um, Lobster Johnson being a sort of a questionable hero. I just think it, 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 I, I felt like he's a solo character that did a lot of great stuff. By giving him a team, I go like, oh, so he had a team behind him versus like, I like a guy that right. can go in here on his own and like maybe have a sidekick, but like sort of do this all on his own and be mysterious of like, how the fuck does this guy do it? <laughs> Right. I, I, it just brings up all these questions of like, how do they all know Lobster Johnson? And like, why do they have this underground layer with like instruments and shit? Like what's going on? And you don't get any of that. Yeah. yeah. I know you're blowing out the world, but it just feels like it didn't get any, it's just all jammed in and rushed through. But again, there are great visuals. There are great visuals throughout. I guess we can't really... Did you read the last issue yet or no? Uh, I've read this once prior I have not. before reading this. Oh, that's like, right. Like back yeah, when this so. came. It was like the only Lobster Johnson story. But I can't remember. I can't remember the yeah. end of the story, to be honest. So we'll see. I mean, Me I could, it could change my mind. I just... Right now, it's like... Again, in comparison to the rest of what we now know of the Hellboy universe and Mignoli-verse, this has been like the Lucas Warm I've been about about anything we've so far read that hasn't been like a one-off of them trying to figure out. Yeah. I still, I mean, Lobster Johnson is an interesting character. (laughs) So, um, we'll see. And I mean, again, I, again, I, I'm treating it like you said, a footnote. I think that's the best way to treat it is a footnote in the grander scheme of it all. (laughs) Yeah. Just let it flavor BPRD. And that's kind of, you know, yeah. I think you're right. It's kind of all up. I think you're 100% <laughs> right to do that. I do. I mean, there's a bunch of different panels that I like. Yeah, it looks cool. It's a totally, like, nice, competently done comic with, like, really cool art. There's this great artist, uh, Austin Zalecki, who draws a lot of, like, skulls in, like, astronaut suits and shit like that. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you should check him out on Instagram. He's really, he draws a lot of cool shit. And if you liked the look of, like, Jim in his suit with the energy crackling and emanating off of him, then I think you would totally be into Austin Zalecki. That's great. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big yeah. fan of when he's talking to the professor right before his skull lights up. That energy panel of, like, the, the stars and the, the cosmic and, like, him yeah. having, like, whited out eyes. I think that panel is really cool looking and pretty. Um yeah. Um, I really like there's a panel, too, of like the the profile of the of the dragon. <laughs> yeah, he looks that great. Really, oh, that underbite is really fun. <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff I like. I just, yeah. It's right. Just, and the covers are great. It just feels a little rushed and clunky compared to like to the flow that I think the other books thus far have had. It really feels like two ideas combined to me. Like they were trying to do two different things yeah. and smush them together. Yeah, I think you're right. So, but it's still an entertain. Again, I'm, I will go back to say I still think it is a fun read. It really shows you that like Mignola is such a master of like a less is more kind of a thing. Like he'll have like a, he'll have like full pages with no dialogue or like you know he'll kind of draw stuff out sometimes, in a way. I mean, I mean this kind of has that too. You'll have a page with no dialogue, but. It also has like a building explode and 
you know, you get like three different scene, like scenes, three different like shots and locations within that page. Mm. So I, it, there, it, we're kind of just all over. We're looking at a lot of different scenes at the same time, simultaneously, which they totally handle in a way that's like I understand what's what's yes. going on. It's just a lot to ingest. It's very dense. Even though there's not a ton of dialogue, it's like visually dense. There's a lot happening that you have to sort of balance in your mind. Yeah, I would agree. I a hundred percent agree. Overall, positive experience reading yeah, it. I'm but not, it's not a waste of my time. It's like I'm not gonna pick this up. Like once I figure out what's going on, I'm good. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. not where like the BPRDs or and even Hellboy. Like, there's a part of me that's like, oh. I'll be excited to pick those up again and read it. Yeah, read to reread it, <laughs> especially like with the information we have, it's like fun to go back and reread it now with like this more developed, richer knowledge of the backstory and all that shit. Yeah. But overall, yeah, fun experience. Um, I don't totally. really have anything to refer. Like you had a great reference for an artist to look up. I I don't I don't think I have anything. Really? You don't have any baboon-related references? I don't. I think the only thing I would say is check out RoboCop 2. And the only reason I'm saying RoboCop (laughs) 2 is that the villain... Uh, he's like a criminal in that, and they 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 take his like his 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 brain and his eyeballs out and put it into the the big robot in that. And when we saw the Sick. robot in the jar, this one before it was shot, it was exactly that. And it's really funny image in the movie because it's I gotta watch it's that. Like a brain, I like the, but the I've eyes. only seen the first Robocop. Good movie. Robocop's a good movie. Uh, too. I really love the first Robocop, so I, I really got to get on the Don't second. Don't expect one. the second or the third because I think they're both entertaining, but they're more like, uh-huh. they're very more like, like, I think Robo. I don't have high yeah. expectations for any of the Robocop <laughs> movies. Like, the first one was so dumb. It's so dumb. At least the, I think Robocop, the first one, but I loved has a it. fun, like, commentary that it's saying about police and villains. Sure. Like, there is, like, a. There's yeah. something there that's cynical and like it's like this overworked precinct with like you know the criminals are getting tougher and it's a definitely yeah. a different era of what how the world looked at the police as well and but dude cops are cops are in every other fucking try to watch a fucking movie with no cops in it I swear to God like you'll every movie I watch I'm like there's the cop like there's yeah. I I guess because like a lot of movies escalate and that re- would require the cops to show up speaking oh, i don't know speaking of that all all robocops are bastards yeah, there you go <laughs> robocops are bastards i love that well i would say this too like um this is a suggestion for people if you liked the series watchmen which i loved they are there's a podcast out there that craig mazin did with the show but then they're now continuing to talking to directors and the writers of the show it's oh, and cool. they're currently I'm in the middle of an episode, but they're talking about how when they were sitting down to write, because one of the writers was an ex cop. She she was a, a, a she's she's a, a, a an African American woman who is an ex cop, and she brought that input into the show. And they were talking about how they wanted to not include and try to stay away from what they would call the term copaganda that most TV shows oh, yeah. have. And I think that's very... Yeah, they paint the police as all, like, pure-hearted, like, would never plant evidence on a <laughs> dead body kind of people. Yeah. And so you that's know? something I think you can check out. 
Um, cause cool. I love Lobster Johnson to me is the, the character that like, I'm not going to root for, but if we're honest about him, I think I'll like him better is if we, if we not shy away from his brutality and not champion it, but don't hide it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a thing I did like in is his facial expression when the baboon oh, jumps yes. at him. I thought, I thought that was the best part of that issue. <laughs> such a good expression. <laughs> He's like just a flat line of a mouth. Um, this is sort of like unrelated to, uh, the comic. Well, it's, it's another comic and it's like horror related, but it's, um, it's called the Enigma of Amagara Fault. And it's like a creepy black and white, like horror short manga. And it's like really creepy. If you Google it, the Enigma of Amagara, A-M-I-G-A-R-A Fault. F-A-U-L-T. Uh, you can find it, f- like, free online, and it's, like, real spooky. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Definitely have to check that out. And you know what else I watch? <laughs> this is also another, like, tangent thing. I love um, it, please. I watched, uh, I watched the movie Urban Legend <laughs> from, like, 1998. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was really fun. Like, I mean, I had, like, it was sort of a nostalgia trip for me because I remember watching it as a, you know, I would have been 10. So I was like having fun being like, oh, my God, I was scared of this part as a child. And now it's like zany and funny. Oh, I, love um, it. I think it's worth watching again if you're if you're like into that era of horror movies. Yeah, that's the era. The ni- it's 90s, right? 90s like. Yeah. 90s sort of like blockbuster B horror. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of jump scares, a lot of like, a lot of like misdirects as to who's the killer. The whole movie is supposed to be like, figure out who the killer is uh, until, you know, it's revealed. And it's just really fun once it is revealed. Yeah, that's great. I think it's great. Yeah, I love it. Check shit out. Definitely. Everybody check that stuff out. All those all those um, suggestions from UK were great. Thanks. Um, and um, listeners, we want to hear your thoughts on on this comic book. What were your thoughts? How do you what do you feel about Lobster Johnson and the Iron Prometheus? You can reach out to us and tell us what you think um, on, at our email. Ah, crap! A Hellboy Podcast at gmail.com. as well as email us and tell us what you think of the Hellboy RPG. We want to hear that as well. Um, and then we do. You can stay up to date on what we're doing on social media of course that's instagram at ah crap a hellboy podcast twitter ah crap hellboy then please rate and review us on the platform that you listen to the podcast if that's a possibility or please go out of your way go to apple Podcasts slash itunes give us a five-star review that starts with the word boom and we will read your review right here on the show give you a big old shout out we call that boom reviews so give us a boom review um, that will bring other listeners to the show so you can you know be part of the the emails that correct us educate us make us better as we go (laughs) yeah Um, but that is it for this episode Um, thank you for listening we really appreciate it and remember we love you What's up, stoners? Welcome to I'm Too Effing High. Hi. Hi. Smoke weed every day. <laughs>
It's a podcast where we test the age-old question, does marijuana make you funnier? I'm here to talk to you about eating people. I bring on comedians. I get them high on marijuana. Ooh, yes. It's just like Fisherman's Cop. Yeah. <laughs> and I would know. <laughs> Please give a warm welcome to Nicole Byer, Tim Bob, Sam Richardson, Mary Holland. Are you guys ready for this show tonight? I'm too effing high. New episodes every Tuesday. Stay yeah. too effing high, you guys. Campfire.